And welcome to Gleaming in the Geek, the uh, pennant race, schmennant race. We've got an initials matchup to talk about. Yeah, pennant race, episode. How are you going to spell that for the title? <laughs> yeah, we're no longer, uh, he's John, I'm Aaron, you guys know that. Uh, we're no longer partners, John, we're rivals now. Mm-hmm. We were always kind of partner rivals. Sure, I, that's, that's, that's fair, it. that's fair, that's right. Uh, but now just straight up rivals. That's right. Because we've been... Uh, Only one can advance. That's right, and it'll probably be neither of us, <laughs> if we're being honest with ourselves here. Um, the, uh, the, is it the second annual? The second annual. Uh, initials Game Invitational Tournament, which okay. we were both in last year. Yes. On the, the, power, on the Power Trip. The Power Trip Morning Show. Right. Uh, we've both been uh, selected for the 45-person field. Yes. I'm the number 11 seed, and John is the number 20 seed okay. out of 45. Good. And uh, miraculously. Seems about right. Yeah. I think I'm overseeded probably. Based, I've only played twice, but. Um, I think I've only played three times. Yo, I didn't. You're on <laughs> uh, Miraculously, we're in the same bracket. Uh so we are facing off. Not just the same bracket, but I mean the same. Well, yeah, the group. The, same the same group. matchup. Yeah. yeah. We're facing off on uh, August 18th, Friday. Friday morning. Early in the morning. I'm too early. Flying back from a week of playing hard in Philadelphia. I'm yeah. not going to be in my best shape on Okay. That well, I have morning. a proposition for you then Uh-oh. that I think can add some spice to this. But okay. our, our other competitors in this five-person group. Is uh, Tom Pelissero, who's the top seed, the eight, the yeah. number eight overall seed from, uh, I guess, from NFL Network now, but a long time, uh, I think he still, he must still I, live here. <laughs> yeah, I, I here's a so. story I'll tell you about Tom Pelissero. I went to a, a backyard barbecue at Michael Rand's house one summer, many summers ago, and uh, his dog uh, took a crap uh, right next to my foot. That's the really the only story I have him on Tom Pelissero. Great, nice guy, very good NFL reporter, formerly was, uh, a big part of 1500 ESPN when they first right. launched, like a decade or more, I guess, ago. Um, so he yep. has played once and won. Okay. So he's seeded high. He's the number eight seed. Then the other, the fourth person is Tommy Olsen. Uh, oh, yeah. Former golfer. Yeah. You've probably spent many hours <laughs> in many bars. I have, uh, I have spent some hours with, with, uh, bars with Tommy, with Tommy Olsen. Olsen. Yeah, I, I've met him a few yep. times. He's a, he's a good guy. Yep. A uh, lot of fun. Yes. Doesn't strike me necessarily as the biggest initials game threat, but who knows? Yeah, but he's going to be, he he will be much more up at like anything current, anything, right? Any pop culture. And he surely pop culture. played more often than we have because he's on the show constantly. He's a lot. He's a regular yeah, on their I don't show, know how many right? Many times he's played. And yeah. then the fourth or the fifth person in our group is Elizabeth Reese, who uh, is a. Tel- local television personality. I don't think I've I don't think I've ever met her. But that's our group of five. It's not exactly the group of death in terms of like how they talk about World Cup uh, groups. Uh, but only uh, one will survive, like you said. And here's what I would like to pitch to you, John. Okay. When I was a child or a teenager, even I would watch WWF at the okay. time. Now WWE All right. wrestling. All right. And one of the gimmicks gimmicks they would often use for, uh, you know. Over the hill wrestlers nearing the end of their career, superstars, but sure. you know, on their last legs, that person would challenge a current star to a loser retires match. Oh, I got it. Yep. And so here's my my pitch to you. Now, if Tom Pelissero or Tommy Olsen or Elizabeth Reese 
uh, win, then it's just a moot point. Then right. we're both just losers and we go on with our lives. Right. But if you win, I retire from the initials game. And if I win, you retire from the initials okay, game. Here's why this is a terrible bet. I'm not going to take Kay. it. Because you think I'll win? No, because oh. you want to retire anyway. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm doing it. <laughs> I didn't even want to play this year. I messed up by not telling Corey before he, he asked. I was going to. I was thinking about how do I say to Corey? I really appreciate being part of the show. The, and, it, the only, and it was fun, the, but I think that's uh, playing twice. That's good for me. Like I, I just I don't like getting up early in the morning, and they, I don't like competing at eight a.m. And also, I don't think I'm that good. So I like to leave kind of an air of mystery because I did so well in my debut. And so the the more games I play, the more obvious it will be that I just had beginner's luck. Right. And before I could send it. Uh, kindly worded text in that regard he texted me and said you in for this year and i said yeah <laughs> so yeah right so <laughs> when i challenge you to a retirement match, uh, that's funny you, uh, you saw through my here's the best part here's here's probably why i should take it though yeah is uh you do want to retire so maybe i'll throw it so well at the very least i can account i count on you to throw it and yeah. uh, and, and yeah. i'm i'm picturing a, something like a uh uh, Rocky three montage, you know, where you're, you've got me running on the beach or something to try, <laughs> yeah. and, to try and get me, get in me good, in peak four oh, because I want because, you to be, win. Yeah. Because if any of the other three win, you don't yeah. get to retire. Yeah. You, I got well, you, you, at, you got to build me up. I got you at the meat packing plant <laughs> punching steaks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the power trip and just like some sort of pop culture thing. Like I, I picture, uh, me and, uh, a clockwork orange situation with my, watching, eyeball, with my eyeballs no, pried open. Watching, with, with, uh, you, you're trying to just pump pop culture, entertainment weekly or whatever you, stuff. You're like, just going through Halle Berry's entire Jeopardy. filmography. <laughs> there you go. That's what a trip, lot of Jeopardy. Trip, trip John up last time. He had a layup I think for you Halle mean, Berry. I think, I think you mean Haley Barton. Burton. You don't even remember <laughs> what you said. You said <laughs> Haley Burton. Burton. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be uh, August 18th. And I guess that's a Friday morning. So maybe we'll do this show afterward. Like we'll come oh, back yeah, yeah, here yeah, afterward. Yeah, 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 that works out well. After we've both been defeated by Tommy Olsen <laughs> and or Tom Pelissero and or Elizabeth Reese. Yeah, so um, the Friday for the Friday the 18th one will be slightly delayed. You might not get that by lunchtime, folks. Yeah, although we'll be done by Maybe. 9.30. Maybe we can record there. it right there. We'll just walk it out of the yeah. – rock into one of the, uh, we'll get, the, the green room over there. and We'll get the winner it. on as a guest. Uh, so, yes, that's what we're doing on, on the 18th. I uh, normally would be very competitive with John here. In almost any other circumstance, sure. But he's figured out my my grift that yeah. I'm trying to pull on him. I was like, I was I'm like, very appreciative to be invited. It's fun, sure. But you know me. After I do something fun, my initial reaction initial no pun intended. My initial reaction is, well, let's never do that again. Yeah, no matter how fun it was. Yeah, right. Like I come home from concerts or stand up comedy shows, which is my favorite thing to go to. Right. I went. I you know you see like I go see like. Uh, John Mulaney, and he's fantastic. And I get home and I go, let's never go to one of those again, even though I loved it. So I don't know. Corey is smart to just invite me and assume, <laughs> That's assume right. I'll do it. Exactly. Um, right. A few other things before we get cooking on the on the Twins topics here, because there's a lot of stuff. They're back from their largely very successful road trip, yeah. although one that ended with a thud, which their road trips tend to do. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw they're one in six now. In like the final game of these things, I think Phil Miller looked it up yesterday. I don't right. have all the details. That I sounds just, like a Phil thing to look up. I saw it on Twitter, and then right after the game yesterday, which was a mid-afternoon game our time in Seattle, uh, 
I reached whatever new limit Twitter has on seeing tweets. Oh, okay. So it was like, all right, I guess I'm just done for the day. You can't send tweets. Mm-hmm. You can't look at tweets. I was like, okay. So I couldn't do, uh, couldn't look up as much stuff for today's show. But a few things just to mention. So we did two regular episodes on Patreon this week, Monday and Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, the one on, let's see, Wednesday was what we've been promising a, right. a more kind of in-depth breakdown of the hitting trade market. Well, first of all, we, we spent 45 minutes dissecting the first two games of that Seattle well, that, series as well. There's a yeah. lot of news and notes from that. So we covered that. And then also spent another 45, I don't know, almost uh, maybe an hour almost. No, it's about another 45 minutes. This was an hour and a half episode. Uh, yeah. Detailing what probably 15, 20 names that yeah, hitters that yeah. they could go after. And then what we're going to do is Monday, We'll do the pitching part of that That for Patreon. Now, we'll touch on some of that stuff on this show, too. But, you know, the Patreon, what it's for, are the two things John just described, which is talking about games right after they happened and, you know, breaking stuff down for 45 minutes that we might talk about for eight minutes on this show. So if you're into that, it'd be just in general, if you join the Patreon, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman, you get charged a dollar for new episodes. If we don't put out an episode, you don't get charged anything. But right. And if you were to join right now and stick with us through the trade deadline, it'll probably cost you like five bucks because you'll get maybe. Yeah, you get the emergency Monday and Wednesday's shows and then another Monday show and then anything that happens – We'll do an emergency right. show. Like yeah. if they tr- make a trade, we'll do a show within well, hours. We'll probably also be doing a Wednesday. Well, yeah, post mortem right after recap. the trade deadline as well. So, so anyway, be a good time to join. You can always quit, cancel anytime. I mean, for that matter, if you want to just join throughout the season and enjoy the pennant race that much, it's well, probably yeah, going to cost you a total of twenty bucks. That's asking a lot. <laughs> this is a short term commitment. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um. So yeah, I mean, I think. Road trip wise, you go and you first of all, they entered the first half just an absolute mess. And so the reset, whatever, or just being able to play Oakland coming out of the break very much helped. Oakland's yes. terrible. They sweep Oakland, wasn't the you know prettiest sweep, but you know, it's a line drive in the box score, as they right. say. Right. Uh you go three and oh against Oakland in Oakland. You go to Seattle, which is you know, the Mariners are largely in the same spot as the twins. Performance-wise, they happen to be in a much tougher division, and so they're right. longer, much longer odds to make the playoffs. And they're not going to—I mean, they can't win that division, but they can make the playoffs as a wild card. I mean, they could. And then they're trying to decide whether they're going to buy right. or sell right now. And so it was interesting. And I think stylistically, the Mariners are similar too, which is that they have really good starting pitching, like four deep. Uh, we saw Castillo yesterday. We saw Kirby, who's really good. Uh, you know, Gilbert is really good. Generally, they have very, very good starting pitching. Um, bullpen's pretty good, but maybe not a strength strength. And then the lineup is just very inconsistent. Right. Guys having some down years that you would expect them to be pretty good. Well, that's how I would describe the Twins, too. So I thought it was an interesting matchup. I think the Twins played pretty well generally. Yesterday, even, I didn't think they played horribly other than they just didn't hit. And I'm right. not like saying that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But, Kirby, too. Yeah, I mean, he's right. really good. But right. it was one of those games that Reminds you, I think, uh, you know, things don't just get fixed like that. Well, like you have some, they scored what they scored, 42 runs in the first, 
uh, six games coming out of the break, and you go, all right, well, there you go. The offense is clicking here. You know, Julian and Kirilov are clicking. Well, that's Perez yeah. coming around. And that, then, that's that was part get, of the concern was that it's so much of the offensive research, you know, quote unquote resurgence we saw on this road trip was basically to, due to two guys, right? Which, which is great. Like it's got to start somewhere, right. right? But it was mostly being driven by two. They would have killed uh, for two, two unbelievable guys. weeks. They would have been killed for two guys having a good week though at any point in the first half. But yes, I agree. But then you know, not only did they get shut out by a, a very good pitcher and a good closer at the end there, but no, re- I mean, I think they got one guy in the scoring position, 13 strikeouts, yeah. zero walks. Uh, that's just, you know, it wipes away whatever kind of goodwill they had created right. or forward momentum they had created, not just from a how many runs did they score standpoint because you got shut out, but from a, oh, the quality of their bats are different. Now, he's a guy who pounds the strike zone with good stuff, so you're not going to walk a whole lot against him. Right. But, you know, he also he pounds the strike zone. And so to strike out right. 13 times and take a lot of called strikes like they usually do, uh, I think, in particular, uh, you know, Buxton looks as I mean, and he's streaky. So uh, this right. is me saying something. <laughs> right. He looks as bad as I've ever seen him look, yeah. uh, and not just in terms of you know not getting hits, which he's like oh for I don't know twenty five or something like that. But I mean, he's done that before. He's done that before this sure. season and come out of it. He's just a very streaky player, but just seems to have confused. no real he seems sense confused. of what he wants to do at the plate. <laughs> He's taking strikes and swinging yep. at everything and following everything off. No real solid contact even when he connects. And that was after a couple of days of break. Yeah. You have to clear his head or yeah. you know, work also swing or whatever. But. His wife is about to give birth to their third child. I think like she's scheduled like later, the, like this weekend maybe or Monday or something. So I'm assuming he's going to take uh, paternity, paternity leave. leave at some point. Which maybe is uh, some time away again. Not the worst idea, um, but I don't. I mean, they're reaching a point. I think there's a little bit of a window here where they can just kind of keep trying to have him fight through this, assuming he's healthy. Now, I personally don't think he's healthy. I mean, that's not some revelation. He's never healthy. But I mean, you just watch him. Like even he like grounds out, and it looks like he's an effort to run to first base. Like I I just, I wonder how much is going on with him and whether there's stuff beyond the knee. Uh, I mean, listen, we, he's had back problems in the past. He's had all kinds of problems for a while now. Right. I just Uh, wonder things that are, you know, listen, a knee, a knee by itself could screw up your swing. Sure. But back and hip stuff become even more, you know, tricky. Right. And 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 like you said, his at bats look like he's just not able to hit. Right now, right. like he looks he's, like he's he's up there, so that he can say he was up there. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, oh, I guess I'll take this at bat now. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Hopefully, I'll get a single somewhere or whatever. I mean, these are just bad, bad at bats, bad process, bad approach, bad outcomes. And you know, it's different than and even on good pitches, right? You know, he just bad follows swings, them off right. or whatever. Or he just takes them down the middle. It's it's very frustrating to watch. And I mean, it's got to be killing him too if it's mostly physical. Um, but I think there's a there's a little bit more leeway here from a time perspective. Like if they just shut him down at this point, I couldn't blame them. Certainly, I think that is a viable option. Um, but the real pressure point would be when, if slash when Polanco is ready in you know twelve days from now or something like that. Because then at that point, you're either as we talked about a little bit, we can talk more about it. You're either having to Take at bats from Julian, 
right. and installing Polanco back at second base, or as Rocco Baldelli kind of hinted but avoided saying really, uh, you know, cementing any plans in place, it, I think they would be best off in the short term trying to get Polanco to play some third base, which you can leave Julian then at second base. Right. But even in that scenario, you don't really have at-bats from Matt Wallner. And I don't know that you want to. Or, for that matter, Donovan Solano. Yeah, although he could play some first base. But, yes, and, well, he could play third base a little bit. for Against lefties, they can bench Julian. But, yeah, right. you're you're giving up at-bats. In any way you slice that up, there are going to be guys losing at-bats right. in that spot or having to play out of position. And with Julian, the defense at second is not good anyway. Although he made a couple nice plays. Yeah, in he Seattle, did. That one up the middle including was Including nice. a really nice yeah. one yesterday. Um and, you know, who knows how Polanco would be at third, or it might be a moot point. Maybe he has no interest, and they have no interest in moving to a third. We'll see. He played – Polanco played his first defense at AAA on his rehab. He was the DH but for the first two games, base, right? but he was at second base. And he's – by the way, he's like one for 15 yeah, or yeah, something like that. Yeah, he's not been great. So we'll see with that. But I think, you know, once you get Polanco back – then you really have a pretty big crunch there in terms of bats. And to me, and I think it sounds like Baldelli and the Twins agree with this, there, there's just no way at this point you, you can do anything to Ed Julian right. that would disrupt what he's doing. He's your best hitter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think there are rookies who have come up and yes. had a good month, and we've said this guy's their hottest hitter, and nobody really thinks it will sustain. Sure. And I'm not saying he's going to have a 975 OPS for the rest of his life. But what he's doing is not out of character or out of the scouting report. This is largely what we thought he would do, particularly once he could get settled a little bit, which is he's going to grind out great at-bats. He's going to show a lot more power, both pull side and to the opposite field, than his frame would suggest. And he's going to be aggressive early in counts when they try to get ahead of him because then they know he's trying to grind out the A's at bats. So if you try to get a first pitch past him for a strike, he's up there hacking on the first and the second pitch too. And, you know, there's been some luck in his results. I think his batting average on balls and play has got to be well over 400 at this point. Uh, I mean, he's batting 320 with a high strikeout rate, so you can do the math on that. So that's going to come down too. But just the patience and the power and the ability to – Drive the ball to all fields. I mean, this is a very this is yeah. a, a guy there who there isn't a lot of luck in walks or home runs or right. doubles into the gap. Sure, and <laughs> right. even I mean, at, with right. a two fifty batting average, right. doing what other other stuff he's doing, he's <laughs> right. got an eight something OPS, and he's one of the best hitters on the team. And so I've just been. I mean, we've been hyping him up since spring training. Yeah. Even before that, he had back to back monster years in the minors with you know huge on base percentage and walked a hundred times a year and all that stuff. But the hype for him really grew throughout Fort Myers spring training. And you could tell Baldelli was very quickly in love with the offensive upside. A lot of their front office guys were talking him up. And what I mean, it's so easy to see why now. And you know, look, is he a, a viable defender at second base? Mm, it's borderline. Uh, I think it's possible he can pr- continues to improve a little bit. He, it's weird. He seems like the play you there, mentioned. There, there seems to be a lot of range in what he can do or yes. not do. Right. He, the harder the, pl- I don't want this is going to sound absurd, but on some level, the harder the play, the better he, more competitive he seems within that. Well, it seems like he, he's he's about as good on a hard play as he is on an easy right. play. And maybe it's just a matter <laughs> of hard plays. You're forced to just react. 
or you're forced to just use your athleticism to try to make the play. Whereas, you know, it seems like the easier the play and when he has more time to think about it, his throws get double clutched or they float on him or he bounces them. I mean, the easier the throw, his... I don't know if it's some level of the yips or something, but Kirilov has had to do a lot of sprawling yeah. uh, over there to save plays. Right. But in general, I don't think... Be, it might just also be he has trouble, more trouble moving to his left than to his right. Yeah, and maybe. I, I want to I take a, try and pay attention to that a little bit more because it does seem like an awful lot seems to go through the hole between first and second on a, a regular basis while he's over there, but it's still... Yeah, although how many up there second basemen are snagging those balls necessarily? Well, We'd have to look at the positioning I mean, on it. But yeah. uh, So, but the larger point there is the Twins seem to recognize that as well. I mean, they know how good Julian is. They've been talking him up for two years now. Uh, Polanco, they need... If healthy, we'll see. Right, yeah. and we'll see how the rest of this rehab goes. I don't think it's going to be a quick rehab. I mean, they got another 25 days they could keep them down there. Or, no, 15 days they could keep them down there. I do not think they'll keep it down there 25 I days. But double digits, it, though. It might It's be. not going to be this week, this upcoming week. I'll be surprised. I'd, I'd be surprised if he's back during this homestand. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, right. maybe on the road trip, though, next I week. I think, realistically, you probably want to wait till after the trade deadline either way. So you know what your roster situation is post-trade deadline. You don't want to make a move and then undo that move or have to risk losing a player that the roster yeah. spot is going to be made available anyway via trade, basically. Anyway, once Polanco is back, they, they need Polanco. I mean, a healthy or even 90% healthy, Polanco is one of their best players too. Yep. I just don't know quite unless he's going to play third. The other option is why I'm bringing this up connected to Buxton is – they just move Julian to DH, right. leave Polanco at third. You at conti- second. At second, excuse me. Right. You continue to play Solano, Farmer, and Castro in some right. timeshare at third. And then when Royce Lewis comes back, hopefully in about three weeks, something like that. I haven't heard a timeline. Hopefully we'll get an update on him later today at the ballpark. But um, then he can slot back in at third, and then you can start to move those guys around. That's actually a decent scenario, but it just requires – Making a tough call here on Byron Buxton, right. but I think they clearly they they don't like to do that with Buxton. They like to let him work through this stuff. But this to me is a level beyond what we've seen from him. And maybe this is just because we're in the moment and we're in the middle of this slump. And maybe every time he's zero for twenty five in the past, right. we I've sat here and said something similar. This is the worst I've seen. But this when he was slumping a couple weeks ago, it was. Oh my God! They robbed him again. The guy yeah, the, the, yeah, right. went, no, took a right. homer from him, took a double from him. Oh, he lined out right to the third baseman twice in this game. Like those could have easily been doubles into the corner. That has completely disappeared. Yeah. I mean, these are not even competitive at bats yeah. at this point. And so, you know, part of me thinks shut it's him a, down. It's a victory when he gets a walk. Right, a ten pitch His walk, best, or twelve pitch walk. He did have a great walk I know, during this. I know he did. Yeah, the, that's what I'm saying. In, uh, was it in Oakland? Yeah, it must yeah. have been in Oakland. I think maybe Seattle, but yeah, keep going. Um, with the bases loaded, but I don't think at this point we can assume two weeks on the IL is going to do much. Like, he, first of all, he's had two weeks on the IL. He came back seemingly worse than when he went on. Yeah, right. I mean, and, he didn't look that great just before the IL sure. either. But, I mean, he hasn't really. But, and the weird thing about that one is that was a fastball to the ribs IL trip. Yeah. Now, maybe, I mean, maybe that's part of what's going on. Maybe we've got a, we, we haven't here. We're not hearing about a cracked rib or something like that. Sure. Uh, you know, Kyle Garlick will tell you about that last year and how much that, you know, screwed him up, et cetera. So it could be that he is just working through something like this, but. 
I'm willing to. Yeah, I don't need. Th- I don't think we need testimony that a cracked ribs bad for a baseball <laughs> right, player. Exactly. I think we just right. take that as written. But <laughs> so yeah, I don't know what they're going to do with Buxton. I think there's they they have too many, particularly once Polanco comes back, this will be the case, and really once Lewis comes back. But by the time Lewis comes back, this Buxton thing will have solved right. itself. I mean, that's a month from now, maybe or three weeks from now. But they have too many between Julian and Walner. And Larnick, and you know there are other guys here too. Solano, like you right. mentioned, they have too many guys who have shown themselves to either be a major league caliber hitter in a lineup that doesn't have that many of those, or have the clear upside to be an impact hitter. Right. And so most of them are limited to left field, right field, first base, DH. Some of them are just limited to DH, obviously. Right. And you can't. It's it becomes very difficult to just trot Buxton out there, even if you think long term he's still one of your best players, which I'm willing to believe. But it's not it's it's difference. I think early in the season when it was like, yeah, we're we're using that Buxton at DH, and you know who would be the DH anyway at this point? But they have right. no shortage of DH candidates at this point. I mean, you could just make. Julian the DH, you can make Walner the DH, you could call up Larnick to be the DH, you can make Solano the DH for right, that matter. Right. Uh, Kirloff, you could make the DH and put somebody else at first base. I mean, or can, as we go through a trade deadline names, well, and that's, that's <laughs> I mean, the other that's, thing. So right. I'm I'm phrasing this as sort of the Polanco return, but I think that's going to coincide roughly with the trade deadline, right. which is yes. next Tuesday. Because yes, it, it we'll go through some of the names, and like I said, we went through them detailed name by name and gave kind of pros and cons on everybody on the Patreon for all these hitters, but the vast majority of the hitters that at least you and I think they should be targeting are right-handed corner outfield first base types. And for some of those, you want to be playing them left field, right field. They can platoon with Kepler, Gallo, Walner, those type of guys. Some of them, yeah, you go, oh, you could play first base. You move Kirloff to the right. outfield, whatever. But some of them, their best position is DH. Like, if you got uh, Teoscar Hernandez from Seattle, right. I would want to play him at DH probably. You know, <laughs> right. he's not a good yes. right fielder. Uh, he homered yesterday against the Twins against a righty though. Um, but so and so, yeah. When you're talking about Julian and Walner and Larnick and Solano internally, and then as you look up at whatever whiteboard they have on some office at Target Field, and they're going. Well, that guy, he's okay left fielder, but we right. could probably play him at DH, right? And it was like, well, yeah, if. If you're starting to get into five, six, seven options, internal and potentially external, and all of them require some time at the DH spot, and your full-time DH is hitting like 140 over the last two months and is looking worse than ever, something has to give here at some point. And I would love for that something to be... Buxton's good again. (laughs) Yeah, That'd be amazing. Right. Because then you can adjust to that, and that's a great problem to have. But I, I just, I will be so surprised if that's the case. Just because, if that's the case, if he some somehow during this homestand, which he might not even be participating in fully if he leaves, <laughs> right? But if he somehow hits a bunch of homers here and has a bunch of good at bats and he's ripping the ball over the field, I, I will consider the eye test to be completely meaningless. <laughs> Do you know right, what I mean? Because right, nobody yes, has looked right. worse. Yeah, fair. But instead, if as I suspect, he continues. I mean, he to is struggle. certainly he is certainly the kind of guy that gets. Even sure. when he looks at his worst, it could be suddenly like, oh, suddenly he's hot yes. as fire again. Yeah. No, I mean, he. So. the fact that he's 0 for 25 or whatever it is, I mean, that's not good. But it's less worrisome in a weird way for him than it would be yeah. for, 
you know, Alex Kirloff or right. even Ed Julian or somebody like that or Donovan Solano, certainly, because he does this. Right. I mean, that's what he does. And then he goes 12 for 25 and you go, okay, all's <laughs> right. right in the yeah. world. Right. I just, I don't know. And I think they're probably, I mean, we saw Baldelli move him down in the order for the first time he batted lower than fourth. Now it was fifth. Fifth. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, we yes. saw them sit him back-to-back games just as a break right. in this Seattle series. Um, you know, we haven't, though, seen him start to lose a share of the playing time. We've seen more isolated, he's going to yeah, sit today. Right. What we haven't seen is, well, you know, Julian's the DH twice a week now or right. something like that, or Walner's the DH twice a week now. I think that would be the next natural progression to this thing. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a bad situation with Buxton, but kind of like the, let's say, Tyler Malley situation earlier, which was a bad spot for the Twins. They lose one of their best right. starters for the season in, in May. Well, the good part is they had Bailey Ober waiting in the wings. They had Louis Varlin waiting in the wings, and they had a strong rotation. What's happening with Buxton is is not good at all, short-term or long-term, right. for him or the team. But it's not last year, where last year it was like, well, who do we right. even call up? It's going to be Mark Contreras or something. <laughs> right, exactly. I feel like right. we crap on Mark Contreras always. He's I always know. That, he's, he's, he's doing fine. I'm sorry, Mark. Great. Yeah. He's, he's a super nice guy. Yeah. Great mustache. Right. But this year it's... Probably deserves a shot as a fourth outfielder of the major league. Yeah, leagues. I do yeah, think right, he's yeah, probably right. a major league caliber borderline fifth, fourth guy. Fifth outfielder. Uh, yeah. But now it's, well, who would be the DH? Well, one of these five really good young hitters that we think has a right. future, or Donovan Solano, who's been probably their second best hitter all season. Right. So I do think we're getting to sort of a, you know, S or get off the pot situation, unfortunately, with Buxton. And I think there's going to have to be a tough call here made. And I think it might ruffle some feathers. And I think it's also just going to suck. Like, I, I think that's because <laughs> right. he's, they're committed to him and he's committed to them by way of the contract. Right. He signed a below market contract. Uh, to do this now if he's just hurt and physically incapable of being at his best that obviously changes the scope of the contract or the lens through which you can view the rest of the contract but he wanted to be here they wanted him here and last year when healthy he was phenomenal and really for the last three or four years when healthy he's been phenomenal that is no longer the case and i wonder how much of it is is he healthy (laughs) right the idea (laughs) that being a dh in a weird way allows him to physically play through stuff that he wouldn't be able to play through when he was a center fielder and that's but not necessarily be able to perform exactly and so he's on pace for like 130 games which would be the second most he's ever had by far but if you know hip and knee and back and whatever he's going through and ribs (laughs) would have not allowed him to play center field he would have missed many more games but now he's like well i can play because i'm a dh right well, yeah, but I mean, I could play as a DH. That doesn't. I could go. Certainly, up there. I could. Did you see we've, the we've established oh, that? God. Did you see the? <laughs> speaking of guys uncompetitive at bats, and then we'll move on here. Did you see Bryce Harper's at bat? He had like no. yesterday, the day before. So he went up there. I don't know the game. It was like the seventh it's inning. The Brewers, right? Yes, he was facing yeah. a lefty. They brought in yeah, a lefty yeah, to right, face him. Yep. And so he st- and Bryce Har- Harper's a lefty, and so he went up there. And he took the whole – you know how like when it's a 3-0 count, uh-huh. a guy will just kind of put the bat on his shoulder and it's clear from his body language he wouldn't swing even if you rolled the pitch up there? Right. He did that but for the whole at bat. Like he just went up there with the bat very loosely on his shoulder okay. and looked like he was – you know, he was in the box but not like in a normal stance or anything. And the guy just threw like five pitches 
and I think struck him out on like 2-2 or 3-2 or something like that. Huh. And it was like one of the weirdest things ever. It was almost like a protest at bat. Huh. And I should I should look. Maybe there's some story behind it. But anyway, too many of Byron Buxton's at-bats have looked like that right. uh, in, in <laughs> the last couple of weeks. So that's the kind of what's on the horizon here. I mean, White Sox coming to town. White Sox which followed always, by Seattle coming to yeah, town. We're going right? to see Seattle again. They've got a 10, I guess, nine games before the actual trade deadline. Because the game on the first will be after the trade deadline. Right. Trade right? deadline so, is like mid afternoon. So they get what? Three versus the White Sox, three versus Seattle, and then three versus Kansas City. I, I think so. Yeah, it's a bad team. I know that. It's definitely. How dare you? It's, I mean, it's definitely one of those things where looking at this stretch of games, you want to see them go six and four. Seven and three, something sure. like that. But they just went five or and two. I mean, on six a, and four. Six five and two on a road trip, and yeah. everybody's furious about that. So that, those are kind of meaningless. And they're two games ahead of uh, Cleveland now. Yeah, true. We should I watch Cleveland against Pittsburgh. First of all, Pittsburgh is horrible. <laughs> the Twins still play Pittsburgh, right? At yes, least once. We still That's play good. Pittsburgh, yes. I mean, my God, are they sloppy. But they Cleveland blew a lead against Pittsburgh. They were going to sweep them and yeah. then lost yesterday. Or After two being days swept. Ago, not yesterday. Um, After being swept by the Rangers, right. they were ready to sweep, sweep Pittsburgh we, and blew it. I yep. feel like this should be the the disclaimer of the beginning of all podcasts. Uh, everything we say about the Twins is true, but also it's true and maybe more so about Cleveland. <laughs> all the negative things we <laughs> yeah, say. Right. you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's, like, that's what's coming up on the homestand. What's coming up on the sort of uh, you know, front of mind decision point is all this stuff with the hitters. They need to, with a week and a half before the deadline, they need to figure out what they're doing with Byron Buxton. They need to figure out what their plan is for if, when Jorge Polanco comes back, right. which means what they're going to do with Walner, what they're going to do with Julian, what they're going to do, you know, with somebody's going to have to go down either way. And then they're going to have to figure out within that, and it's related. What is our approach to the deadline and how many bats could we even really bring in when we can't necessarily even find room for all the bats we have? Now, they're mostly lefty bats, as we've talked about, whereas the ones they would pursue, or at least we think they should pursue, are righties. But it's a a weird spot for a team that's not good offensively to be in, which is – how do we find room for all these good bats? Yeah. <laughs> As we rank, you know, 20th in, out of 30 <laughs> teams right. in scoring and OPS and everything. Uh, before we get into a couple more uh, specific stuff, let's talk about our first couple of sponsors here. We got the homestand starting up. Uh, you're going to probably want to go there with some Twins gear on or something kind of Twins related. You can go spend 200 bucks on a jersey for a guy that suddenly you're questioning whether or not you should have given a six-year contract to, something like that. How or, dare you, John? Or, <laughs> or, or you can spend 19 bucks on a T-shirt. Is that what you're saying? Exactly right. You yeah. check out Soda Stick. First of all, their designs are kind of classic. Like They almost always have some sort of inside joke uh, associated with them. Uh, you know, We've got the... Uh, well, We've got a Buck Yeah trucking company. Yeah. I'm not sure so we're going to want to wear that you didn't one. Plan or not. this one out that well, John. <laughs> but uh, you know, the other thing they've got—I uh, think they're going to be releasing this week—is sometimes you just need sort of a generic Minnesota hat, you know, something like that. And they've got these great new Minnesota patch hats, kind of trucker hats out there. I think they look really slick. They're, they do a nice job with their designs. That's why they are so successful. That's why they've been around and selling a crap load of uh, stuff for eight years now or yeah. something with us. Soda Stick, Soda like Minnesota. You go to sodastickco.com or just Google Soda Stick, and uh, whatever you put in your cart, 
when you check out, put the promo code Gleeman and you will get 15% off your order. Yeah, at so you get the Fox Night uh, Town Ball shirts and all kinds of other stuff. Get limited limited, limited uh, quantities, though, so get out there to SodaStick.com. It's easy for you to say, John. Yeah. Uh, on this homestand, if you're looking for last-minute or hard-to-find tickets, yep. Game Time app, yeah, that's their specialty. Yep. Uh, not only for sporting events, but like shows, too. Uh, John has used it uh, many times while <laughs> right. walking to the ballpark. Right. Uh, which or is at a bar right next well, to the ballpark. Okay. I didn't want to <laughs> talk about your alcoholism <laughs> on the ad. But, uh, so that's the, the prime example of last minute. You can also use it to find like concert tickets that right. are tough to find and all that. Uh, says the person who sent his girlfriend to Beyonce last night. <laughs> um, I went and looked uh, the, uh, a couple days after the Twins are playing in Philadelphia. Yeah. Bruce is playing. Yeah. In Philadelphia at Citizen Bank Park. I used the Game Time app to go out there and look at uh, tickets yeah, for the for Bruce. Um, game Time app, here's how it works. You just down the game, download the Game Time app, you create an account, and you use the code Gleeman, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but again, create an account, Game Time app, redeem the code Gleeman for $20 off, download Game Time today, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay. Um, She was going to uh, Beyonce with her friends last night, and she said, uh, going to be big boys night in, huh? Me and the two cats. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, big plans. Because she's like, well, the twins aren't on because they played in the afternoon. Right, that's right. What are you even doing? And then she looked at me, and she thought, Chinese food in. I think you should leave marathon. <laughs> laser pointer? And I thought, yeah. No, we don't do that with the cats. Don't you? We're, we're anti that. that. Okay. I feel it drives them uh, insane. <laughs> Insane-er. Yeah, I was going to say, as opposed to. Right. They love it, but they would do it until they die. <laughs> like they would literally pass out doing it, so we don't do it as much. Um, okay, let's see. So I don't know. I mean, we talked about the the Julian stuff. I don't want to make it seem like Polanco's impending return should overshadow what Julian is doing, because what Julian is doing is something you yeah. don't often see from any rookie. It's pretty exciting, and especially from any rookie with a pedigree that makes you think, "Oh, this could be mostly for real." I mean, not at this thousand OPS level, but right. as we said, and so, you know, to me, Julian might be their leadoff man for the next ten years if things go well. Uh, and I'm glad to hear. I mean, we'll see it how it's actually put in motion. But I, I'm, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. Maybe not surprised. I was, I was pleased to hear. A few days ago when Baldelli told the reporters in Seattle, oh, Julian's not going anywhere. Yes. And maybe that like seems obvious. And I think it should have been obvious. <laughs> right, right. But it's not always obvious with teams. And it's not always been obvious with twins with players in the similar spot. You know, not to compare Walner to that. But they send down Walner when he had, you know, eight straight play appearances. Sure. They've sent down other young players when veteran players are ready to return from stuff. Sure, And I think it's encouraging well, that and, and, Julian and, has been so good that even they're like, oh, that ain't happening. Well, and, you know, we, I mean, we've been puzzled by it to some extent ever since spring training, their insistence that he be solely right. a second baseman, like almost to the detriment of, for a team that seems to value flexibility so much yeah. amongst every other player. And by the way, they, he's played everywhere going back to college and right. his first year of the minors. It's just since last year, exclusively second base. I mean, I asked... A couple of their player development people, when he was still at AAA this year, hey, is he, you know, playing? I know he's only playing second base during games, but is he playing, you know, first base, left field? And they're like, oh, yeah, he's getting reps at first base, you know, to prepare him for that. And I had people say that's probably where he's going to wind up, first base. And then when Julian was first called up here, 
I think his first day at Target Field, we went over to him and I asked him like, you know, have they talked to you at all about where you're going to play? And he said, well, I've been playing second base. And I said, but yeah, you take reps at first, right? And he goes, oh yeah, like a lot of pregame reps, blah, blah, blah. And then five minutes after that, we went into Baldelli's office and I said, you know, I know Julian's been taking reps. Is he an option at first base? And Baldelli was like, no, not at all. And that's <laughs> right, yeah, not just right. Baldelli. It's been consistent right. since then. And it's strange to me because A, like you said, they like maximum flexibility and right. then B, sorry to say, he's not a good second baseman. And so, and Polanco's a better second baseman. Now, is Julian at second and Polanco at third better than Julian at first putting Kirloff in the outfield and putting Gallo or somebody on the bench yeah, right. and Polanco at second? I mean, that's debatable, I yeah. think. You're, 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 you are getting to the point where you're... You're moving 50 different that's, things around. But right, all right. of this relies on Polanco being, A, willing to play third base, and B, being semi-competent there. Now, right. from a skill set standpoint, I think third base would fit him decently. But he might not want to. I mean, I haven't talked to him about it, obviously. I haven't seen him. He's been rehabbing, so nobody's talked to him. But, right. um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think – Well, the other, I mean, the other thing, great thing about Julian is, you know, for a guy that is coming up and looks exactly like you wanted him to look – for for lack of a better way to put it. Like, it's not just that he's having success. He's having success in exactly the way you kind of thought he was going to be able to have success. You know, this is an 18th-round draft pick. You know, we just got through the MLB draft where we were kind of talking about, you know, reasons why you might want to save money on some of the first couple picks because you can sp- spread that money around. He's an 18th-round draft pick that they ended up giving, what, I think $250,000 to or something, way above, you know, sort of the slot at that point with money that they had saved from earlier on in the draft to, you know, to yeah, take a flyer on this guy. Maybe we can get him to to sign for $250,000. We've got some money left over. We do and, and uh, you know, get him higher now than he would end up going next year as a senior in the in college and that's all worked out. Not so, even a senior. Junior right. would have been. He was a draft eligible. Oh, that, that's right. Yeah, you're uh, right. Which yeah, is why right. he had leverage, but right. out of Auburn. Um yes. he has I think yesterday was his 49th game, so today will be his 50th game. Okay. And I looked it up, and assuming, I mean, even if he goes over today, <laughs> he will have the second best OPS in the history of the Twins through 50 career games behind Tony Oliva. And the unfortunate thing for all present and future Twins rookies is it's going to be real tough to knock Oliva off of that spot because <laughs> right, yeah. he hit like 400 like through 50 games. Did he win the MVP that year? He won Rookie of the Year, and then I think he won the MVP the next year. Maybe. Yeah, so it was that, around I mean, that time. Go right. back and look at the beginning of Tony Oliva's career. It's uh, it's absurd. Yeah. Um, he's certainly the best hitter uh, I say hello to uh, every day at Target Field. <laughs> on four, Justin Morneau, probably second on that list. And then John Bonas, third. Sure. When he's in the press box. <laughs> Um, Miranda feels like it was about three years ago when he went on the IL, but that has happened since we last spoke. Uh, more shoulder problems for him. They're calling it a shoulder impingement, which just basically means the shoulder hurts. Right. That's not like a specific, there's no tear or anything, which is good. The bad news though is that started bothering him when he reported to spring training, basically. Um, and he didn't play third base for the first several weeks of spring training. And then he didn't hit at all during the once the season started. Went back to AAA. Didn't really hit that well. Hit for okay average, but not much power. Came back, got like I don't know a dozen at bats with the Twins before going back on the shelf. Certainly didn't look good in those dozen at bats, but whatever. And I just wonder, like, you know, we're talking about right-handed bats that they could go get. It's just weird that 
compared to where he was one year ago at this time when he was yeah. might have been their best hitter right now right. like you know middle of the season last year and now it's like well they need to go get some corner right-handed bats yep. and it's like well he's not even in the picture now part of that is the injury part of it is just he's played so poorly and how much the two are related i think is should be an sure. open question at this point yeah. now i will we t- we watched him try to work through that shoulder sh- shoulder soreness at the time i'm not sure exactly what it what the if it's any different or the same as what he was dealing with back in spring training and at that point the talk was well he can't play third base but he can still hit and he was he was crushing the ball in spring training right so you know how much the fact that he's got this shoulder issue does it is it affecting his hitting as well as or could he just not play in the field and therefore they put him on the il i don't know so his going on the il brought back walner which is funny that we keep yeah, kept right. it for months. It was like, what veteran left-handed hitter is gonna they're gonna part ways with to make room for right. Walner? Instead, it was a right-handed hitting third baseman who made room for Walner. Although, as we saw in the Seattle series and in the oh, he came up and didn't even play the first two games of the Oakland series that right. he was with the team. There's no room. There's no spot for him, right. and that goes back to the Buxton DH thing. But it's also you have Gallo in left, you have yeah. Kepler in right. You have Kirloff, who also plays the outfield, and they also use Willie Castro there as a left-handed bat. There's just no room for a left-handed corner bat at this point, which goes back to what we were talking about before. And that's not even getting into, like, Larnick, who hit a 450-foot homer for for St. Paul yesterday, too. He's like He's been passed by Walner, which in itself is kind of noteworthy because yep. early in the season they called up Larnick twice yep. instead of Walner. Yep. And then Larnick got hurt and got sent back down. But so, you know, there how do you solve that log jam now or next week at the deadline? Something's got to give. Like, there's no way to solve it. If Polanco comes back up, it's obvious that Walner's probably the one, the odd man out at this point. I mean, if that was going to happen today, that's where it would be. Yes. We'll see. We'll see what happens in a week. You never know who's going to be. Probably. What's going to happen then. I mean, I wonder, they they will never do this, but I wonder if they would be better off going to 12 pitchers for a while. I mean, <laughs> the starters have not been as good of late, but the number of times you've needed bulk innings from like right. Cole Sands as the last guy in that bullpen right. have been pretty minimal. And given how often Baldelli now is making in-game roster or uh, right. lineup moves, you know, pinch hitting, pinch running, defensive replacements, he's going nuts with that. Yeah. And having an extra left-handed bat on the bench would, would be pretty useful. I mean, like yeah. down the stretch is Matt Wolner as a, part-time starter and bat bench available so that you could pinch hit Donovan Solano for Joey Gallo. And then if they brought in a righty the next time up, you could turn to Walner again and have him play the outfield. Is that more valuable than a eighth reliever? I just, they will never do once they go to third. I mean, they would go to 16 pitchers if the rules allowed them to <laughs> potentially. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty certain. I, I feel this kind of the same way looking at with their bullpen situation with two guys at the top, and then a whole bunch of question marks right. after that. How many question marks do you need in the bullpen? Well, <laughs> right. you know, I mean, it's uh, you know, on the one hand, I felt like they were, you know, they needed uh, Sonny Gray to go deep on Monday, and he didn't, uh, and so therefore they ran out of bullpen arms early on, and basically made turn that game into a non-competitive game. Uh, so, you know, on the one hand, I'm kind of like, well, they certainly still do need bullpen like they went to totally used theirs up in Oakland but right. what they really used up in Oakland were the top two guys right. you know and we used to talk about this a lot yeah, during I, the Molitor era right which is you can give because back then it was like oh how can they go from 11 to 12 on the pitching staff back then 
back then, right. like it was the right. old ages. It was, you know, eight right. years ago. But the problem that we used to talk about with monitors, well, he, you could give him a thousand relievers. Right. He's still going to just use the closer and the two setup man every other day. When you, when you took a look at, they, they went into that Seattle series gassed in their bullpen. And when you take a look at the bullpen, you know, pitch chart that we have in Twins Daily at the game recap every day, uh, <laughs> you said, well, yeah, they can't use any of the first six guys in the bullpen, but there's still two guys that haven't pitched in right. a week. Right. Well, I mean, do you need to carry two guys that aren't going to pitch in a week? Yeah, it feels yeah. Now, one of them is Jorge Lopez. So you right. probably— They also, you know, by the way, we talked about Buxton. He's in a similar spot for obviously different reasons. Right. But some, I mean, first of all, the, twice now since he's come they, back— except, they, except with Jorge Lopez, they don't keep batting him third in the order. They, they've, been no. having, they've been having him sit down in the uh, back. But he's come into one-run games twice and made yeah. them not one-run games well, that's true. Uh, both uh, in the last like 10 days. The thing I don't get about Jorge Lopez is you know he goes on the I.L. for mental health reasons, takes a minimum 15-day break, comes back. They clearly wanted to avoid using him in, in key spots, but the spots kind of like the Emilio Pagan discussions of months and years past right. where – if it's all close games being played, there aren't low, low leverage spots. There are right. just sort of medium leverage spots, and that's where he ended up getting used. And then twice, once at home and then yesterday, he got through a clean first inning. And, and then they come back. And then you come back to him, right. and you just let him fall apart. And that's on him. I mean, it, it, pitching a second inning for a re- male reliever is not like some insurmountable task. I'm not saying that. Yeah, that's a fair but point. But I'm saying, why not just have him have the clean inning? Because right. then what happened? Well, what happened was he plunked two guys. He gave up a homer. And then you had to warm up Cole Sands to come in to then to get the last out anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, why didn't you just have Cole Sands pitch that inning anyway? Right. I don't understand with the guy you're clearly trying to tread lightly with from a usage standpoint and a mental health standpoint and a confidence standpoint let him leave on a high note, note yeah like let him have a clean inning and that's it yeah. you know well especially pat I mean, him on the back and say that was great man go home tonight and think about how well you did as right. opposed to well we need a second inning why why do you need a second inning why not just cool sands like I mean, you said a really fair criticism of how baldoni is using lopez yeah you're right that's happened a couple times that's and a really good point. Unfortunately, yesterday's was was pretty bad. Bad, yeah. And he's not pitched particularly well, obviously, since coming off the aisle. It's only a handful of appearances or whatever. But this is kind of what we're getting to with the bullpen, which is, you know, and unless or until Brock Stewart and or uh, Caleb Vilbar come back, right. which neither of them have started a rehab and, assignment. And we haven't really gotten any updates on them after right. getting one, you know, two weeks ago. They... I mean, Emilio Pagan's your third most trusted reliever at this point, and that right. sounds bad. I will give Emilio Pagan some credit here. He's looked really good for the last <laughs> pretty several weeks, yep. maybe a month now. I did I did check the other day after his clean outing. Yeah. He still had a negative WPA. But overall. it's not the worst on the team <laughs> no, anymore. No, it's not. It's right. like fourth yes. worst. Lopez, I'm yeah. assuming, is the worst on the team. Right. But for pitchers, uh, you know, it's basically Duran Jacks Pagan right. at this stage. Yeah, and then you're, you know, Balzavic or Tegar getting some usage yeah, right. and stuff. And Moran, obviously, from the left side. But yeah, you have a 13 man pitching staff, which means you have an eight man bullpen, except Lopez is unusable in anything, really. Mm-hmm. Sands is just your kind of break glass in case of emergency. I wonder, like, to me, having an eight man bullpen. Where three or two and a half are trustworthy right. is so much more preventative 
Like we just want to avoid a situation where the starter leaves so early and we just wreck the whole pitching right. staff right. versus having an extra bat that you could use, especially given how Baldelli's been deploying people mid-game, seems more uh, you know, aggressive or you're the one kind of making the decision as opposed to we're just going to have in reserve here. And by the way, today, I'm fairly certain, is Dallas Keuchel's opt-out at Triple A. And he's looked pretty good for the Saints. And so maybe they'll work something out where he stays at AAA, or maybe they swap him out for Cole Sands as a long right. reliever. You, well, yeah, I think they would probably give him a start, push people back in the rotation, and then figure out the next turn what they want to do with him. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't. I've only watched video of Keiko, and he's so tough to evaluate. <laughs> right. I mean, he was tough to evaluate when he was winning Cy Young because he right. would, he was throwing ninety one miles an hour. Now he's throwing eighty eight. Normally, I would say, well, who, who cares? He's a washed-up guy throwing 88, and that may very well be true, but he has had success throwing 89 in the last three years. Well, and, I mean, this team could use a long reliever that they have some confidence can actually do long relief no matter what is going on, that they don't have to worry about their – like you can't put Jorge Lopez into that role in part because you just think he's going to melt down, right? right. Uh you can't put Cole Sands in that into that role because Cole Sands also has these. You know, he can go two and a third, three innings and do and look pretty good. He can also go three innings and or an inning and two thirds and get lit up for four home runs. But that's the point of that role. It doesn't matter, right? So I, I just it's not that but you're you, not going to. I mean, Keiko's enough of a veteran that you're like, well, whatever. Just well, I mean, it's possible he doesn't want to pitch or well, they don't want to pitch true. him as a reliever well, at all. In which case, you know. It's not the end of the world if you lose them. But that is going to be a decision point. If not today, sometimes they work out deals where they push back the the date so that gives them a little more time to make a decision or see how the rotation shakes out or whatever. But that's something to watch too. Uh, let's see. I had one other. And of course, obviously we mentioned this, but uh, you know, Kepler playing center field would, would do some <laughs> things too. But funny, you don't see that. It's weird. Like We've talked about this. A while, and I've written and said on here that it's my understanding that Kepler has, over the years, made it clear to the Twins that he like has a strong preference not to play center field. And I think people take that as like he stormed into somebody's office and said, if you do this, I'll retire. That's certainly not the case. But if a player isn't comfortable playing somewhere, you're not going to play him, and the proof is in the pudding. He hasn't right. played there since, I think, mid-2021. They've played a dozen different center fielders. I mean, it used to be that he um, felt like he wore, or they they felt like somebody felt like he got worn down right. in the center field. I I'm think sure he does right. feel that way. Right. Which, yeah, that's fine. And he's been really good in right field for the most part. He's a great right fielder, but right. you know, it's different when we're talking about you know, a they're not getting much production from center field as is, and b this logjam of lefty bats. You could stick Kepler in center and stick Walner in right. Yeah, right, or, you right. know, you could stick Kirloff and right and play Solano at first, and so that would solve some things, but that's not, not going to happen. I think so that ship is probably Coming sailed. off of the Seattle series, somebody had tweeted me something about what you what I think about trading Kepler straight up for Teoscar Hernandez. And well, you take a look I at mean, that. I'll drive him to the airport on that deal. I, like, I, why would you not do that? I, I thought, but, but both, would Seattle do that? No, I don't think so. Why do they need that? 
Like why is he uh, well, better? My, why is he better uh, see, I don't them? know enough about Seattle, but their point was they need some left-handed bats uh, versus the, the, it, in the same way that we're about to go through some of the trade deadline right. talk. I promised to God we're going to talk about some or throw some batters' names out there. But one of the things that we're going to talk about is that you know the Twins don't necessarily need to go. Listen, we're not opposed to them going and exploring and trying to get a high impact Hall of Fame level type bat, right? Sure. But they can also just make some incremental improvements just by changing the mix in the outfield a little bit with a right-handed corner hitting well, outfield. I mean, the be- like if right. they could just um, give. I wonder some- if Seattle's the same way for the lefties. Yeah, I don't know enough about Seattle. They do have there. a lot of righty bats, so maybe you're right. But um, if the Twins could just make some sort of potion and give them to one of their left-handed hitters <laughs> and make right. them a right-handed hitter, like Matt Walner being a right-handed hitter would solve the same things. Like Joey Gallo <laughs> yeah, being of a course, right-handed. Of course, right. I mean that's a little complicated, but we could get. Uh, <laughs> there must be some f- formula for that, right? <laughs> I think. Uh, I think. Uh, you know I think how baseball ops has done some research. I don't think they found the, it yet. Like maybe yeah. this is just in movies where like somebody will like uh, get hit on the head or they'll go into a coma <laughs> and they'll wake up and they'll be fluent in a language they've sure. never spoken right. before. Yeah. They'll right. be like, I speak French now perfectly. <laughs> like maybe that's what it needs to happen. Right, that's right. How, how do we make uh, Trevor Larnick wake up and be right-handed tomorrow? <laughs> like what needs to occur? That would be very easy. But yeah, I'm sure he would do it. Whatever it is, like you don't see a lot of. Um, Lefty for righty swap, like those are called challenge trades. Major leaguer for major leaguer. Right. You know, I think a lot of times if you were to trade a player like Kepler, or if you're Seattle and you trade a player like Hernandez, a veteran outfielder essentially on a one year deal, it would be for like prospects right. usually. Or if you're going to trade major leaguer for major leaguer, it'd be like for a reliever or right. something like that. To trade like one right fielder for another right fielder is very rare. I know, but. But in some yeah, ways, that's kind of brilliant. You don't have to worry about figuring out the roster move that you need to do. Like, yeah. are we going to have to cut Kepler anyway? Are we going to cut a Gallo? What well, are we doing, true. right? Like, there are, that's, it, it frees something up on both sides. Unsaid, as we talk about some names here, is you know anyone they add, even if it's Polanco right. and a few weeks from now, if it's Royce Lewis, right. uh, needs to bump someone off the roster, particularly if they're sticking with the 13-13 split with right. pitchers yes, and hitters. Right. Which goes back to what we just talked about, but you know, it's not super easy to find bumpable people. Like you said, if Polanco comes right. back, probably it'll be Walner. Um, but after that, when Royce Lewis little- comes after- back, or if they add somebody in trade, right. who would it be? I think the assumption, or at least my assumption, is if they're going to add a corner outfield bat of some significance, they can't have the same. Right. Outfielder group. That's right. Like somebody has either Gallo to or go. Kepler is going right. Right. And the point is, if you're just trading away Kepler, sure, that's yeah. not not well, bad. Not going to get easy swap. a veto from me on that. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're coming to town this week. They just swap uh, jerseys and yeah, let's do it. Take care of. Take. How about just one game? We see how it does, and we'll reevaluate like a test drive. Uh, the other guy that I mean, the most optionable guy is Willie Castro. But he's reached like right. you know cult hero status, <laughs> and although he loves him, and, yeah, he's, and I wonder with Royce Lewis coming back if that ends up being, uh, yeah, that ends we're up giving him all this credit the by the way for going with uh, Ju- staying with Julian, which hasn't been proven yet, but we're right. assuming. Watch uh, Royce Lewis comes back, they option no, him and keep you. Willie Cash. It'll <laughs> be a hell of a thing. Um, okay, so let's like we said, we're going to talk hitters here for a second, or trade deadline targets hitters. If you want like a full discussion of all these names, like literally right. and more, yes. then I'm going to list here. I'm going to list yes. like eight here. Uh, we went through pros and cons, what it might cost, contractual status, all that stuff for all these guys on Alternate the Alternate names that we're not going to talk about, yeah. all kinds of stuff. We went through, we went through 
each of the big heavy hitters that are on the free agent market, yeah. how they might tie or how they might not tie to us. Patreon.com slash Cleveland. We would love you to have you join us. I think as of this morning, we have our high watermark for subscribers ever uh, on Patreon. How many are we at? Almost 4,000, 37, 30 or something okay, like that. Great. So yeah, I'd like to get to four thousand. <laughs> I'd like to get to ten thousand, and I just retire from everything else. When we'll they trade for that. Paul Goldschmidt, I'm sure we'll get yeah. up to four thousand. Uh, so, but just okay. So Goldschmidt's near or at the top of this list. I think we both kind of feel similarly in that. Let me try to uh, boil down our take on what they should be trying to do at the deadline from a lineup standpoint. I think we mostly agree on this. Tell me if I'm wrong. Which is. If you can pull off some big, massive deal that you think is good value for, I don't know, Juan Soto, Paul right. Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado. By the way, Goldschmidt and Arenado have no trade clauses. Arenado yes. has a hundred and something million left on his contract. So yeah, that's he's under like, contract through 2026. You know, throw right. in, yeah. uh, I don't know, Shohei Otani if you want. Yep. Like, and on yep. and on. All the, uh, the, the true biggest Pete Alonso. Names, Pete Alonso, whatever. Right. Yeah, kick the tires on that. Make calls on that. If something presents itself, don't be afraid to do that. But I think in terms of what would make the kind of the most bang for the buck to me would be a competent average or above average but non-superstar level right-handed hitting corner outfield first base type of guy. And, you know, like Michael Kadair in his prime would be like the ideal trade. He might be too high. Yeah, he honestly might be too <laughs> right, high. Right. But that's the stylistic. Michael Kedire not in his prime. <laughs> right. Michael Kedire today, <laughs> right. yeah. who still looks pretty good. I saw him. Where do we see him? I don't know. Um, right. He's coaching uh, Team USA. Uh, oh, okay. He just coached yeah. uh, Walker, Walker Jenkins. Jenkins yeah. Yeah. Called him Captain America. We yeah, talked right. about that. Um, that type of player. A guy who, if you play him every day, he's a good player, but not a great player. But if you play him half the time against righties and 100% of the time against lefties, he's going to put up some pretty good numbers because he'll knock the right. piss out of lefties. I like that. In my head, I thought, don't swear, don't swear, don't swear. <laughs> um, and so it's not that adding a player like that will have a bigger overall impact than adding a Paul Goldschmidt or a Juan Soto or a Shohei Otani. Right. Obviously, that's not the case. Those are superstar players. But – if those guys cost you $100 to get and the right-handed hitter costs you right. $8 to get, then you might be getting more value and a better fit or a right. more seamless fit with less future prospect capital sacrifice, which they don't have a ton of to sacrifice. And we're not saying you have to stop there. Sure. Right? We're saying, we're saying the, go get that because it's a bargain. It's right. an easy, easy thing it's to do. It's plentiful. In there's the, always in, more in, supply in, than in the, demand. In the same way that getting a competent but not – you know, closer level reliever yes. is a something you should be able to pick up at the trade deadline. I'd actually suggest, given the fact that we're still not hearing anything on Stewart and Theobar, we probably will get an update today at the ballpark. Yeah. But uh, I would suggest maybe even take a look for two of those guys, right? So yeah. there's there's two or three players right there that you just need to go and check those boxes because they're not going to cost you anything more than like a number 12 prospect in your system. Right, or they right? shouldn't. Right. And, I mean, those deals can come back to burn you too, but just theoretically, right. go get a good, competent, right-handed bat with some power and at least one or maybe two, maybe one from each side right. reliever. So we're going to focus right now on the hitters because that's what we discussed on the Patreon last time. We keep mentioning Goldschmidt. But before we do that, though, let's get to the sponsor. Okay, we yeah. get last Our last sponsor. sponsor. It'll be a quick one. BetterHelp, uh, BetterHelp.com. The way BetterHelp works is it's online therapy. 
whatever you need to talk to somebody about in your life and you've been thinking about it, it can be a hassle to go through all the steps required to see somebody in person. Yeah. From an insurance standpoint, from a scheduling standpoint, maybe you've got some social anxiety and you just don't want to see somebody in person. You can do a video call on yeah. BetterHelp, usually within 72 hours with a real licensed therapist. If right. you don't even want to be on video, right. you can just do a phone call. And if you're a weirdo like me and you hate being on the phone, you can just do a live chat with them. They will tailor it to whatever your comfort level is. It's, like I said, real licensed therapists. You can also switch therapists. It's just not yes. working for you. It's easy enough to switch. All the barriers that happen because that you that you face when you're trying to get therapy melt away when you go to BetterHelp.com. And so. here's the deal that we have for Gleeman and the Geek listeners. Uh, you can visit BetterHelp.com slash Gleeman, and you will get 10% off your first month to give it a try. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Gleeman. All right. So... We keep mentioning Paul Goldschmidt because he's the reigning National League MVP. <laughs> Any, you know, reasonably hardcore baseball fan knows him. He's, I think, a seven-time All-Star. He's, just, he's a great freaking fit for this team right. as well. He's a future, <laughs> right, yes. I would say, deserving of a Hall of Fame. I don't know that he'll get there counting stats-wise. but And, you know, over the last three years, and my guess is for the last 10 years, I didn't look at that though, he has the literally the highest OPS in baseball against left-handed pitching. Although this year he hasn't crushed left-handed pitching, yeah. but it's like 70 at-bats or whatever. But he's made a career. I mean, he's a, he's a great right-handed hitter, and the thing great right-handed hitters do is knock the piss out of right. left-handed pitching. And so, you know, is he as good as Shohei Otani? No. Right. Is he as good this year as Juan Soto? Maybe not. He's 35 years old. He's less good than he was winning the MVP last right. year. But – just in terms of like a seamless fit that would do the most to improve the weakest spot that the Twins have, which is right. versus left-handed pitching. Right. He's. I mean, you can't. You could not invent a guy who would do better than that. Now the problem with and they have an opening at first base, and that right. they can you move, can move Kirilov, Kirilov to the outfield. Outfield, right. Now the problem with Goldschmidt is a couple things. <laughs> One, there's several problems with Goldschmidt. Yeah, he has a no trade clause. Right. And he's got the rest of this year and then one more year on the long-term extension he signed with the Cardinals. Uh, he came up with Arizona, then got traded to the Cardinals, and then signed re-upped with the Cardinals. It's possible he just has no interest in going anywhere. He's 35 right. years old. He's a reigning MVP. He's probably three years from retirement and you know going to get his jersey retired right. maybe by two teams. And what does he want to move? Right. Even if he's willing to waive the no-trade clause. The Cardinals, who by the way have won seven in a row now, yeah, they're, they're still like a lot better. 10 yeah, games back or that's right. All indications from the Cardinals, this is like their first truly bad season in like fifteen right. years. They were supposed to be a lot better. They were supposed to be contending they're for always, the NL Central. I mean, right. they're always they're right, right. They're one of the more consistently good teams. That's right. There's a sense, I think, that yes, they're going to trade guys because this season's been a disaster for them. But most of the guys they're going to trade are the impending free agents or the guys they've kind of right. soured on. Guys that they are go aren't going to be on the 2024 right. team anyway. And because in fact, when the, what the Cardinals general manager has come out and said is, we are looking towards 2024. Right. He didn't say, we're rebuilding. Right. He said, we're looking towards 2024. And it turns out, Paul Goldschmidt's under contract for 2024. Right. I mean, if you're truly right. thinking of just reloading and putting a division-winning caliber team on the field next season – you would never trade Paul Goldschmidt or, right. for that matter, Nolan Arenado. Right. Uh, so it's possible this is a moot point. And the Twins make one call and they find out, well, that ain't happening. And then they can move on with the rest of their lives. Right. They may have already determined that, obviously. Right. Yes. But if it's not a moot point and he is open 
if they're open to trading him and he's open to waiving the no trade clause, well, he has to be at the top of your list. Right. Just in terms of overall quality, I think contractually it's a decent fit. $25 million next year or something right. like that. For an all-star caliber right. first baseman on right. a one-year deal essentially right. at that point yeah. is great. Right. By the way, uh, could give him the qualifying offer after that, although he'll be 37 at okay. that stage. But, Has uh, he not really not had the qualifying? Because no, he hasn't been a free agent. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you know, what's that going to cost? Well, it's a lot because the Cardinals, as we just talked about, they have leverage just in the fact that they don't right. really feel like they have to move him. Right. Do you want to trade, you know, Brooks Lee or Emmanuel Rodriguez or one of your few high end remaining right. prospects for one and a half seasons of a 35 year old first baseman right. who also will cost you $25 million next year? Right. I don't know about that. I mean, if you're going to try to make a push this year, it's going to be hard to find a more impactful player that you could add, short of a true superstar, you know, Otani or whatever, uh, than Paul Goldschmidt. You know, it's uh, it's one of those where you should look into it. Yeah. Cost-wise, no trade, how the Cardinals are viewing things, it might be one of those things where you just go, man, whatever. Right. The second name that I think we both agreed on as like a, this, is, this guy's a level above the rest of the field – is not a right-handed hitter, but is a left-handed hitter, uh, Cody Bellinger. Right. And the reason he would be the only lefty I would go for here, and then we're going to read a sea of righties after this, is that he can play center field. And he's a former MVP who had a bad shoulder injury in the playoffs and has, the past two, three years has not been good and has been hurt. Signed a one-year, $17 million deal with the Cubs and has bounced back yep. in a huge way. It's been a great make-good deal. I mean, he's yep. been phenomenal. Maybe not quite at the MVP level, but certainly at the All-Star Plus level. And he would just be such a huge upgrade as your everyday center fielder. Right. And handles lefties fine. I mean, he's not an asset necessarily against left-handed pitchers, but, you know, he can he still has power against lefties. Uh, then, you know, yeah, go – I mean, the Cubs are going nowhere. He's on a one-year right. deal. The problem there is they can make him the qualifying offer, I think. Uh, so yes, any, they any can. deal you would have to give for even a two-month rental would need to essentially beat a late first-round pick, which is going right. to be a little bit tricky. But I think he would be a massive upgrade I over mean, Unless the- he really fades in the second half and, like, or, you know, right. uh, uh, the, the shoulder starts – Acting up again or something like that. He'll get the. I mean, he will get the qualifying. Offer, he was right? terrible last year, and they gave him a one-year seventeen million dollar deal. So why would they not right. give him a one-year twenty million dollar deal coming off a much better? You season? would think so. Uh, other than those two, I'll just read these guys and we'll clump them all together basically because you know there's some you like more than others. There's some let, who are. Let me throw one more that okay. I still think Pete Alonso is somebody that we they might. He's the Mets first baseman. He's he's not. Uh, He's not a great fit for the Twins in that he's, you know, the new batting approach that they want to try and do. He's very much the old batting approach and that he's just going to hit a bunch of home runs and hit 220, something like that, uh, is what he's doing next year. But he's also, but by a whole bunch of home runs, I mean, he's going to be 45, 50 home runs. Uh, he's also uh, under team control for one more year. He's going to make... I don't know. Actually, no, he's under contract for next year as well for $14, $15 million. The Mets are... You know, trying to figure out whether or not they are going to buy or sell. They're not. They're, they're not We've already buy. spent too much time the, the, on Pete Alonso. First of all, they're not trading Pete Alonso. Second of all, Pete Alonso's been terrible and is hurt. And he's hurt he's, right now. Well, he's hit one forty since oh, right. he came okay. back from right. a shoulder injury. Okay. So, okay. and I don't think they're going to trade. But yes, Pete Alonso would be up there too. Okay, so here's a here's a group of right-handed hitting corner bats, basically. Teoscar Hernandez, who we just mentioned from the Mariners, 
uh, Tyler O'Neill, also from the Cardinals, right. uh, Lane Thomas from the Nationals, Hunter Renfro from the Angels, Tommy Pham from the Mets, although he just left yesterday's game with some sort of injury. I haven't seen an update on that. Uh, <laughs> that Andrew McCutcheon so <laughs> uh, on the Pirates, and then, well, Jamer Candelario, who's different. He's a he's a right. third base, first base switch hitter. Uh, but those are, I think, the sort of second tier of bats, and honestly – Throw a rock and whoever you hit, the Twins would be in good position if that's who they added. Right. You know, if you Which trade, what, what part of what makes them appealing, right, is that you can sort of wait and see if there's enough other options out there that you don't have to give a, a lot to get one of these. Right. Guys. I mean, there's right. legitimately and there's other names, similar names. I'd view a half step below those another three or four guys we or, can talk or that about. are on teams that we think are probably right. going to keep them. Right. But I mean, there's six, eight, ten of these type of you know just a good solid right-handed hitting corner outfielder you know there's maybe going to be a dozen true buyers and how many of them need right-handed hitting corner outfielders maybe half of them so just from a musical chair standpoint supply and demand but none of them are giving up a huge bounty for them right there this is something that is there is a bin of them and you can from a supply demand standpoint you can afford to kind of wait back and wait the market out and grab the one that uh yes that i mean some of these guys O'Neill's through next season. Yeah, Lane right. Thomas has that's got true. two more years. That's true. They're going to be a little more expensive. But if that's the case, then just move on. Like right. you know, uh, you know, Ramon Laureano's in there. Connor Joe's in there. You could add more names. I like Joe Adele from the Angels, but that's more of a kind of buy low, post hype prospect situation. But yeah, I mean, to me, someone like I don't know Hunter Renfro would be the ideal target. Not because I think he's the best player they could possibly get, but just because he's a two-month rental from an Angels team that clearly should be selling. He's a 29, 30-year-old guy, proven big power, great arm, mediocre outfielder, You know, just a kind of prototypical big number five type of hitter that you can plug in there against all the lefties, and he's going to knock around lefties. You can, if needed, play him against some righties or all righties, and he's going to at least hold his own enough. And it's just not conceivable right. that he would cost that much for two months of a you know a slightly above average starting right fielder or left fielder from a team that's going nowhere. Uh, you know he's not going to be a qualifying offer guy, and right. so that's not it. And so yeah, to to me like trading your I won't say any names, but like trading your twelfth best prospect right. for Hunter Renfro or for. I don't know, Teoscar Hernandez is probably even a level above him, but that type of player, or even like a Tommy Pham, if healthy. Right. Although Tommy Pham's nuts, so you're going to want to consider that too. <laughs> Google, if you don't know Tommy Pham, Google Tommy Pham fantasy football. And you'll just, <laughs> you can read the rest of your life. You can read those stories and be amazed. Or but, just Tommy Pham crazy. Yeah, or just Tommy you can do that, right? um, But he can hit. And that to me is kind of what we're talking about of like, is that is that shooting – is that aiming as high as you can aim at the deadline? No. But to check that box is both the most essential thing you can do and the biggest upgrade you can easily do. And so that's why you know, we went over the pros and cons of these right. guys yes. already on the Patreon. But to me, get somebody from that bucket, basically. Yeah. Whoever – I'm not even saying the cheapest guy, like the no. guy who costs right. the least. But I'm just saying like the the one that balances we like this guy and also we like the price tag. Yeah, that's right. 
so you know maybe it's the third best guy you like. But that's I would, the I would compare it to listen. You want to um, you want to go shopping for an SUV. There's a lot of SUVs that are a little bit alike. Yeah, yeah. You don't necessarily get the cheapest one. You do. You might get the one that's got a little bit of extras. You might pay a little bit extra for it. Just get something that you make sure that you like. Yes. That is going to do what you want and. And when you're pay, driving pay, pay the price. A, a 2012 Honda Fit, <laughs> anything looks like an upgrade. Well, that's and true. that's where the twins are at. They're driving a 2012 Honda Fit versus left-handed pitchers. Hunter Renfro looks like a nice, shiny new SUV. <laughs> Tommy Pham, whatever. Have okay. you thought about taking the advice that you're giving to the twins yourself when it I comes am, to yeah. your ride? Oh, I will not be driving my car this winter. So sometime between now and now first, and, okay. first snowfall, all right, all right. if there are any car dealers out there who want to give me a car, I'll plug. That's it. We've never had a car dealer advertise. You would think they no. would. We almost did a uh, lease one out to me, and we can talk about it on the show. There's an easy advertiser. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. That's Think fun. how much. Oh, this car's great. Blah blah blah. I parallel parked it. You should get it too. Yeah. Boom! You sold ten cars just for giving me one. For sure. Yeah, that'd be, do it. That'll, that'll, that'll work. Watch some Honda I, Fit dealer is going to reach out. <laughs> now I know you're, this is an ideal for you. But anyway, Luther Honda. That's where I got this <laughs> steaming pile of parts. I like how the car dealer to you sounds a little bit like uh, Sid Hartman. Oh, that's the only impression I do. This is a dumb old slow person. It's the same impression Becky does of me. What time are the twins on? That's her impression of me. <laughs> that is not very Sid Hartman. Do you want... If I get Chinese, do you want wontons? That's her impression of me. That's truly her impression it's of me. It's not bad. It's probably the number one sentence I say. I'm probably going to get Chinese. Do you want wontons if I get it? That's my favorite. Uh, okay. Let's finish up here. That's with- like Aaron Gleeman if he's from like the Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> if only. I've been to Connecticut. That, 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 that's what that sounded like. Like, uh, I'm, I'm going to get the Hamptons. Do you want wontons? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I sh- if I mix in... <clears throat> But I'm hesitant to do that because you kind of you're this you're the, really the the modern Sid in terms of throat clearing. Well, that's probably on true. An audio that's recording. True. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's finish on. Uh, I would say Connecticut. <laughs> let me think. The fifth, fifth on my days spent in states list. I would say lifetime, Connecticut. Really? Yeah. Why? NBC. That's where they offer. Oh, okay. Well, you didn't go there for very long. A couple though, weeks. Right? Really? You were there for a couple of weeks? Yeah, okay. twice right. for a week and okay. then also a couple right. other times. Right. Um, I think the rank in the top five, since I know people are on the edge of their seats now, Minnesota. Minnesota, Florida. Yeah, Wisconsin, I would say. Huh. When did you ever spend Wisconsin Actually, other than false. visiting? visiting? Back out of the relatives there, too. I spent. Oh, okay. I used yeah, to go to summer camp in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. All right. For well, weeks at a time. Okay. But actually, I think it's Arizona is second. Because like 10 years in a row, I went to Arizona for spring training and or for Arizona like Fall League for like a, 10 days at a time. Huh. So I might have 100 days in Arizona. So that it's either in some order, Minnesota, Arizona, Florida, Wisconsin, Connecticut. Maybe Connecticut comes reason. in at the end. Huh? Yeah. And then this boardroom, if it were its own state, would probably be, be number two. <laughs> All right. um, okay. Let's finish with the hodgepodge of uh, just notes here that I have. Um, Connor Prelip. Last year's second round pick from Alabama, who the reason they got him in the second round was that he was recovering from Tommy John surgery, right. was before that viewed by some as a potential number one pick and by almost everyone as a top 10 uh, prospect in last year's class. Right. They got him with like the 40th pick or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, ended up pitching twice this year in his comeback, was shut back down. 
recently and then had a second surgery not low surgery not the full right. tommy john but the one where they put the internal brace in basically uh so he'll miss the rest of this season and i'm assuming at least the beginning of last year uh this is the downside everybody loves a high yeah. upside draft pick yeah right you know what i mean yeah. everyone loves well randy moss dropped to the tw- uh, to the vikings at number 20 and look how it turned out right. well there's also versions of that where you know it doesn't turn out there well. are reasons where they yeah. drop and it's called risk and but, that's not to say yeah, connor prelip has no potential right and in might might come back fine from this but by the time he comes back in the middle of next year or even early in next Probably year the let's end say of next year no because it's not the full uh 12 month thing. But, but 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 he will have around. thrown roughly 10 innings in the last three years at that point yeah. uh so now the good news is in spring training he was throwing and then he pitched like i said a couple times in the low minors this year and everyone who saw him was like, oh, my God, 97 with the fastball, great slider, good changeup. Now we'll see how he comes back from the second When surgery. they give you the injury updates today, yeah. can I ask that you ask about Chris Paddock? Sure. There isn't going to be much on him. I don't think so, but yeah, we are getting to the point where they – Sure. It's going to be a long uh, injury update from, from Dr. Dustin. <laughs> Doc Rock is not even applicable at this point. Doc Rock is sick. Dustin gives the injury updates. Yeah, I thought it was uh, Derek Gate usually gave the. Injury well, we'll see if like he that. wants to talk yeah. in more depth. But okay. Dustin uh, basically reads us the internal email. Okay, not the details <laughs> of it, but we say, right. "What's the deal with so and so?" And he goes, "Okay, let me check." Well, he worked out yesterday, and blah blah blah. Okay, because uh, Doc Rock got sick of it. Yes, I mean was yes. always sick of it. Right, but yes. after last year, well, the problem with Doc Rock doing it is, is he's that, not a doctor, and he well is not. Uh, in terms of attention to detail, that's not where his mind is focused no, on. right. It shouldn't be. But I'd, I'll give another one. It's that you can ask him that every day. Well, that's what he, he gets sick of. Yeah. I mean, it's that yeah. if they have somebody else do it, like Derek Falvey right. or somebody else, it's, you know, well, once once every homestand, I give you an update. Here's, right. all, here's all the updates. Right. You know? You know? Yes. Uh, Baldelli got very much sick of giving... Just running through 10 names right. every it's day. the same thing I said two days ago. Right. You just weren't here. And a lot of times <laughs> right. he'll be like, I don't know. Like, who? I don't know. His <laughs> thing now, and I kind of agree with him, especially once the injuries start piling up, is until a guy is at the point where he's cleared for a rehab assignment, I don't need to know what's going on. Right. Like, the manager of the Twins does not need to know about Chris Paddock's rehab right. until Chris Paddock is days away from beginning a rehab assignment, in which case you can start to kind of map out. I don't care whether this player is coming back in a month or two months right. in terms of – it's not going to alter my strategy or my lineup at right. all today. Like with right? Royce Lewis, right. if I ask Baldelli today about Royce Lewis, he will mo- – I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but he will most likely say, I have no idea. He's He's in Fort Myers and he's yeah. working. And when he's right. close to a rehab, they'll let me know. That's you know roughly what you'll hear. Um, let's see. We talked about Kirloff showing some power, three homers in four games. Yeah, all of them to the opposite field. Very good to see. He's up to like an eight something OPS, which is great. We had a long discussion on Kirloff yes. on the Patreon so on Monday. I gave uh, Emilio some credit, but I'll do it a second time because that's fair. Yeah, given. How I've talked about him for the last year and a half. <laughs> um, pitching very well and not only pitching well, but pitching well in a spot where they desperately need him. Yep. Because without yep. Brock Stewart and without Caleb Thielbar. Well, I mean, know. one of our narratives about him has been he's, he thrives in low leverage situations, looks really good for low, but when you, as soon as you get him into a high leverage situation, yeah. he tends to struggle and he's at least shown a little bit 
of success in some high leverage yeah, situations. Yeah, I mean, he was recently. pulling people away. Ninety seven, ninety eight. Last time out looked great. Um, let's see. We talked about Jorge Lopez. You know, same same thing. Kepler has been uh, very good now. Yes. For <laughs> it's funny, like his last month has been really good. OPS now or something like that. Oh, for the overall for yeah, the year, yeah. well, it's still not great. But uh, w- he is such a prime example of something that frustrated us for years, and especially, you know, with Polanco and with Kepler and with Buxton, guys coming back from the IL either after no rehab assignment, like skipping a rehab assignment and just jumping right back in the lineup, or in Polanco's case, after like, you know, 10 at-bats or something. And then, oh, guess what? Kepler goes, you know, two for 30 and looks weird in the outfield too when he initially came back. And then you go, well, this is a guy who's been struggling and now he looks, is he just cooked? What's going on here? It turns out once he got those, you know, weeks worth of at-bats, which weren't pretty, now he's back to being, you know, the healthy version of himself. And obviously this is above and beyond what he's been able to produce. But he's not – this is not new. I mean, like, it's similar to, like, Buxton's streaks. Kepler is is pretty streaky too. And Kepler can carry a lineup, which is what why he's on this team, is you can fall in love with Kepler right, for two yeah. weeks at a time, right. multiple times a season. And clearly Derek Falvey and the front office have done that. And, you know, he stepped up at a time – at a very good time for them. You know, we talk about Julian and Kirilov have been carrying them, but Kepler's been every bit as good as them. Yeah. Um, they need them to keep going. Part of me, of course, says, well, good luck with that. <laughs> part of me says that, yes, because I'm a, a, a jerk. But part of me also says, like, is this just inevitably leading to a trade anyway? But I don't know that. I mean, at some point, mine and maybe ours, but I'll just say mine, my thoughts about what should be done with Kepler has so long ceased matching the twins' thoughts with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. I'm on like year three of being like, they should think about trading this guy. And so I've just given up any notion of trying right. to predict what they will actually do with him or what their actual, I don't know, kind of plan is with him. But, you know, the way he's playing now, obviously, why would you want to trade him? Sure. But, you know, I don't know. Gall- Gallo. But you're going to have to find some room for that right handed yeah, hitting. I mean, somebody's going to have to go. And that's not even – if you want to give Walner a shot, then somebody really has to go. Right. Um, it's not clear to me they want to give Walner a shot. But it is not clear. We'll see. Um, let's see. I had a couple more little notes here. Uh, Kent Maeda pitching well. Really and, well. Uh, in a way that was oh. surprising, which is, for him, big jump in velocity. Was throwing 92-93 last right. time out, which – 2020 is the last time anybody saw that from Maeda. And even then, you didn't see it a lot from Maeda. We've talked about how he doesn't really need that velocity to thrive. He works on command, control, kind of pulling the string on hitters, keeping them off balance with a wide assortment of, you know, changing speeds, changing eye levels, breaking balls, yeah. movement, that sort of thing. He can do that at 89, 90, but he can definitely do it at 92, 93. <laughs> right. And he, he looks very good. I mean, that would be just huge for them if he can stay healthy. And The strikeout numbers are just so impressive since he's come back. Yeah. I, didn't see that coming. Ugh. Yeah, he's good. I mean, I mean, I would have loved to have seen a full Kentamaita career in a Twins uniform because I think he would be 
I mean, first of all, the Dodgers didn't even see it because he pitched right, yeah. six years in Japan right. before he came. He was already 30 or whatever when he came to the Dodgers. But he was beloved for the Dodgers, except even then they kept moving him into the bullpen and he would have great postseason in the bullpen, but he didn't like that. And then he comes over here and in 2020, that's as good as a pitcher since Johan has pitched for them. Now it was only, I don't know, a dozen starts or whatever because it was the half season. Then he gets hurt, comes back, doesn't look right. And I'm not saying he'd be the best pitcher in Twins history or anything, but he's a very fun pitcher to watch at age 35 right. with a limited gas tank. I can't even imagine how fun he would have been to watch at age 25 when he was actually throwing 93, 94, uh, whether at the end of his Japanese career right. or the beginning of his Dodgers career. Like I bet he would have just been a fascinating pitcher to watch from a keeping everyone off balance throwing strikes and like you said you look up and it's like he's got nine strikeouts like how did that happen he's just a really i mean he's a he's a perfect example of a veteran pitcher not a thrower a guy who just knows what he's doing now with that said he can fall apart at any time from a physical standpoint right we saw that even he looked great at the beginning of this year and then fatigue and then back on the il so it's one of those spots where you you He's got what maybe twelve games, twelve starts left this year, something like that. We got what sixty five uh, games left to play, yeah, roughly. So maybe twelve, thirteen starts left to to yeah. do this year. He's got five in the book since he came back. He's looked, I mean, he's looked like a number two guy since he came back. Yeah, he's right? looked great. At to the point where I think I said this a week ago, maybe I said it two weeks ago. I don't know, but if he keeps this up, and that's a huge if, yeah, right. <laughs> the qualifying offer becomes back in play. No, there's no, it doesn't. There's no way he, you need to give him a $20 million deal at age 36 coming off a season where, he, he, I mean, who's giving him $20 million? No one. You have to at least realize who you're competing with, theoretically. Well, at 36, you're, he would you're never right get anywhere near three years, $20 million. Two, three-year deal. I mean, I bet he, he might not get $10 million. I mean, look, if he has 10 great starts to finish well, the that's season. that's what I'm saying. Right now, that's, okay. that, but if, he has, f- if he has another 12 starts league, he's had these last five well, starts. Yeah, that's okay. what I'm saying. But he right. still has a 5 ERA for the season. He's 36 years old. He'll have been on the IL once since Tommy John. Like, the qualifying offer can be a blanket for a lot. But you still got to want to pay the guy twenty million dollars. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know what I mean? Like the truth is, he you would can, accept you might that be able so fast. You might be able to get him back for one year, fifteen or <laughs> one year, sixteen. I mean, I'll take the under on all those. Right. There's yeah. no way he's going to get. I mean, what thirty-six-year-old pitcher coming off Tommy John who at a month ago looked cooked is getting fifteen, eighteen, twenty million dollars? Let's see another. I understand the, the big, idea yeah, of the big, the, back. The, the, the big question mark to, right. to me is the twelve starts. Well, yeah, right, if he right. pitches like a Cy Young winner for the next 12, but I'll take the under on that, too. I, bringing him back is not a bad idea. I mean, they're they're going to be in a position where they're going to need at least one starter next year yeah. uh, if they don't re-sign Gray, which I don't expect them to do. Now, he's going to get the he's qualifying gonna offer. Right. Right. But it's for the same – I mean, like, Mally won't get the qualifying offer, not because they wouldn't necessarily bring him back, but, like – Because he'll take it. What are you competing with? <laughs> yeah, it's the same thing. <laughs> right. right. It's like, you know, they'd love Donovan Tommy John I mean, for the first half way. of the year. Like they'd love Donovan Solano back probably next year. But you no, don't you're not gonna no. give him this qualifying offer because right. you know, he'll he'll take it. Uh you actually don't generally speaking, you don't want well, I shouldn't say that. If they made it to Gray, they'd be fine with him accepting it, because that's a one year twenty million dollar deal for sure. a guy, yeah. you know, he's making thirteen this year, you'd probably pay him close to tw- I mean, Pablo Lopez signed an extension for twenty something a year. But also, you, you there are circumstances where you'd rather they reject it. 
Sure, of course. Because you want the draft pick, and right. if they reject it, you can still attempt right. to re-sign them. Like that, I mean, maybe the Odorizzi situation was the closest to kind of a coin flip. He ended up taking it yeah. for 18 and then was terrible for them. But um, Sonny Gray, well, we talked a lot about this on the Patreon. We talked on, about, on we, we spent 20 minutes on that Sonny Gray right. start. So I think just big picture with him. He's got to yeah. walk the walk after talking the talk. Yeah. And I don't quit, mean walk. Quit walking yeah. the walk. Fewer <laughs> <Walkers>. walks. <laughs> Right. And I don't mean this in like a I'm trying to tear down Sonny Gray because he's been good. And I think he's genuine when he says all this stuff. Yeah. It's just you can't spend months or even a year and a half right. talking about how going deep in games, going deep in games and you were removed too early and you want to stay in the fight and you create this whole narrative through that, which he didn't intend to do, but he did of, oh, Paul Delhi just takes him out too early and then struggle every fifth inning or yeah. sixth inning yeah. and fall apart and walk guys with the bases loaded and yep. then afterward go, yeah, I don't know what happened. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not picking on him right. in the sense that he's more frustrated than anybody. Right. Like Absolutely. his last few right. post games, including the one going into the all-star break that I was at here, he was extraordinarily frustrated and basically said, you know I, I'm even more, fr- I'm, I'm, I'm more frustrated. I think when I, I get frustrated about this, listen, I understand him wanting to do that. And trying to do that and being unable to do that and being frustrated not being able to do sure. that, go deep in games. Really, what I'm frustrated with about all that is the people that continually sort of embrace that narrative of Sonny Gray needs to be able to go deeper. Right. Something like that. it's like you're not watching. I'm not. I'm not as frustrated with Sonny Gray not being able to go because right but I, I, because I think he's earnest. You're I think saying he's really on some level, stuff. how often does he need to? fall apart in the fifth inning before people start to go so, oh yeah they're not removing him because it's Baldelli removing him they're removing him because right. he just walked the bases loaded and then walked a run in three times right. in four starts I, th- I think I'm more frustrated with that with the, oh. with hearing that sort of narrative still floating around out sure. there with despite all the evidence to the contrary but we've seen that over the years and sure. I my premise or my hypothesis that I've said here is I think it's gotten worse in that regard because of the Bally sports situation which is that I think there are a lot of hardcore Twins fans and even probably people listening to this show who rarely or at least much less often watch the games or watch the full games. And instead they check the box score and it'll say Sonny Gray gave up three runs in five and two thirds and he left right. with 82 pitches. And you go, well, why would they have taken him out after five and two thirds after 82 pitches? Well, because he had a shutout going. And then he got to the fifth inning, and he walked three people. Gave up and, four runs in the fourth, and right, then in the fifth whatever. inning, he'd walk put two guys right. on base and hit a guy. Right. Like I mean, but it takes. We see this. It's there's a lag of yeah right. when actions right. lead to narrative changes, yep, yep. and in some cases, once a narrative is so firmly established, it's not right. getting yep, changed. Right. And I that's wonder right. if that's the case here because people played into so much of his. You know, I'm a veteran. I want to stay in. I yeah. want to, be- and people w- want to believe that, especially from a guy who speaks openly about it, like him, and who's a veteran all star guy. You want to believe that Sonny Gray has this ability if you just let him do it and you just don't give him these quick hooks that he's going to go six, he's going to go seven, he's going to go eight. But if you actually look at Sonny Gray's career, he's been the opposite of that. Right. Sonny Gray's been a really good pitcher for a really long time for a bunch of teams. He's not a workhorse right. from yeah, a durability right. standpoint yeah, no, right. or yeah, from right. a within start standpoint. Right. Um, and, and what's but, the most innings pitched he's ever had in a season? Well, when he was young with the A's, he threw two hundred a couple times. Okay. All right. uh, but I don't think he's topped 
maybe 150, maybe once in the last six years, something like that. Um, Okay. You know, I bet whatever he ends up this year is going to be more than he's thrown in in a long, long time. And, you know, he threw 100, what, 125 last year, something like that, I want to say. Uh, And again, this is not, he's just a pitcher. I mean, (laughs) it's not a big criticism of him. Right. A lot of pitchers go through this. I just think the difference is, for whatever reason, uh, people view it differently when he's the one who's struggling in the fifth inning or the third time through a lineup or, you know, falling apart just randomly after throwing four scoreless or whatever than if it were Joe Ryan or Pablo Lopez or Kent Maeda or whatever. It's For some reason, there's this narrative that Sonny Gray has this great ability if only the Twins would keep their hands off and let him do it, which is fine. And I actually think going back a month or so, they were more willing to try to let him do that but more often than not, when they did take the hands-off approach, <laughs> right. he gives up a single and he walks two guys, and then it's like, well, now what do we do? Like now, it's now this game is in the balance right here. Sonny Gray, last time he pitched over 150 innings was 2019, 175 with Cincinnati, okay. and then before that, before well, that, it was 2017 okay. with 162 innings. Right. Last time he was really close to 200 was 2015 at 208. So I mean, over the last you know, five, six years, 105. Well, this year, 105. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's on a good pace this year. Right, right. Or so, Last year, 119. Cincinnati, 2021, 135. 2020, shortened right. season, 56. 2019, 175. 2018, 130. Right. And then 162. I mean, he's a 150 right. inning guy. Right. And yeah. some of that's just because he can't make 32 starts physically right. more often than not. But some of it is because. He's not a guy who, you know, this ain't prime Justin Verlander where you just go, well, I don't have to manage today. And so I, I don't know. I think we're not we're not doing Sonny Gray any favors by acting as if he's something he's not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because then it just gets more and, frustrating. And I, I, you know, I kind of like him trying to pump himself up. Not, Absolutely. Not, not, not portray himself. Not trying to lie to everybody, but saying to, my, to himself, hey, I want to go deep. I want to go right. deep. That's what I want to be. But you got to do it. Yeah, but you, at least you got to do it a relatively consistently. I got to I got to tell you the other uh, fact check I did is uh, Tony Oliva never won an MVP, which AL MVP, which surprised me. Uh, the that rookie year that he had, yeah. where I was like, did he sixty four? Yeah, nineteen sixty four. He came in fourth, and then sixty five. The he didn't win the MVP. He finished second. Oh, okay. Yeah, and he, I mean, he has all kinds of other yeah. top five finishes for MVP. He never actually won one. Second place. Second place. Who the hell won in 1965? I'm going to say Boog Powell. No, I don't know. Somebody <laughs> like that. Somebody from Baltimore. Hold on. It's always somebody from Baltimore. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, in MVP, he was in, in 65, he was second. And then in 70, he was also second. Who was, who was first in 1965? Zoilo Versailles. Ow. So Which we knew. Teammate. Yeah, yeah, I, I was had, I had in my mind that Zoilo right. was 1967. Yeah. Right. That's a good fact check, John. Thanks. Um. Let's not do fact checks on this show, though. Because <laughs> by the way, you are right. He did finish second to Boog Powell in a different year, nineteen seventy. Yeah, see, I know, yeah, I know yeah. a little something about a little pretty something. good. My brain's just addled by drugs and alcohol and talking to you so much. <laughs> well, that I'll do it. Some of the details get tell tech to Dr. Chrissy about that. You can, uh, you yeah, can commiserate with her about it. Chrissy was a Mensa candidate before she met you. Now <laughs> she can't even do her multiplication exactly tables. Right. It's bad. That's just that's, being around that's you right, and yeah. me, probably. All right. All right. My business uh, partners will also vouch for that. <laughs> well, one of your business partners was never my a kids, Mensa you candidate. You can imagine what my kids are doing. But yeah, they turned out <laughs> remarkably well. I don't know how, really. but uh, Okay, so we will be back 
Monday yeah. to talk about the White oh, Sox we'll series and, the and also assuming there's not a full show to be done about the White Sox series. Right. If there is, that's fine too. We'll we'll start to kind of break down reliever by reliever. And I actually, having done some of the prep work on that, it's a very deep yeah. group of relievers who are for what you're looking for. Right. right. I mean, there's some lefties I like a lot. Yes. There's a bunch of righties that would there's fit. There's even some high upside arms yeah. out there. So I think that's really want to go crazy. And we would love to have you join us, uh, not only for Monday's show, but for, uh, well, the rest of the season, like John said earlier. But and at least Wednesday, through the, Wednesday through the we, trade deadline. Wednesday, we might dive more into the trade deadline. We might do a mailbag. We might do yeah. a lot of stuff. I, we, do fun, we do different things during the week than we could do this, sort of this overall weekly recap. If, We'd love to have you try here's it. Here's what I'll say. This is my final best pitch to join the Patreon. <laughs> if you're listening to this sentence that I'm saying right now, you have made it very far into a very long podcast that we have done. <laughs> and if that's the case, I think there's like a 99% chance that you would also enjoy the Patreon podcast, <laughs> which are Probably. an hour plus yes. commercial right. free deeper dives on stuff. So Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Gleeman. Sign up. We put a new episode out. It costs you a buck. Probably yeah. costs you five bucks through the trade deadline. And then you can assess if you want to stick with us down That's the stretch. I'd say. I'd say risk five bucks. Yeah. Five bucks. Sign up now. Risk five bucks. Give yourself a $5 budget to try something new yeah. and uh, try out the Patreon. We each get like then $2 and we have to give Patreon a dollar. So <laughs> That's, That's what you're doing. You're giving us right. each $2. Um, thank you to BetterHelp, Soda Stick, and Game Time. And Game Time. And the... Uh, if you don't subscribe to the Patreon, we still love you. <laughs> we'll see you next Friday. Less, but we still love you. <laughs> and we'll talk to you next Friday. Good evening.